listening to Wake Up and Read the Labels, your guide to eating simple and feeling good. If you want to eat clean and feel your best, guess what? You're in the right place. Each week, we talk about ingredients that may be holding you back from feeling your best. We also talk to some brands that are going against the grain and actually using real ingredients we can recognize. Plus, we're sharing stories with people who are just like you, who actually woke up and read the labels. Welcome to Wake Up and Read the Labels podcast. It's Jen Smiley here. I'm excited because what is life without cereal? I'm going live with Parker Brooke, who is the founder of Lovebird Cereal, which uses all anti-inflammatory ingredients, ones we can pronounce and recognize and make us feel really, really good. And they're truly moving against the grain with all of these other cereal brands out there. The most important thing is their mission is to clean up cereal and fight childhood cancer by giving 20% of profits back. So hi, Parker. What's up? Hi. Thank you for having me. Just living the dream over here, cleaning up cereal and fighting uh, childhood cancer. Yeah. Are you you eating any cereal right now? Did you eat any this morning? No, I I had it this morning. I had to... uh... Since we last talked, I welcomed a, uh, a son into the world. So we're, we're introducing him to cereal now that he has some teeth. Oh. And so breakfast has become a little competitive with who gets the cereal. Oh my gosh. How old is he? He's just over one. Wow. So he can have the honey cereal then, right? <laughs> yes, he can. I love that. I can go on and on talking about one-year-old boys because I have two boys myself, but they definitely love their mamas for the first five years. Then they realize dad's really the cool one that plays all the sports with them. And then they really take on a dad after five years. So just a heads up on that. But tell me, I know you have a daughter as well, because it's definitely listed on your story. Tell me about the birth of your daughter, how that was a powerful experience for you. Definitely. Prior to Yuki, my daughter being born, I was also managing an autoimmune condition, a few of them actually through food as medicine and was working in big food and was kind of at odds with my job and my kind of personal path in terms of health. And then when my daughter was born, it just shook everything up. She really made it clear that I needed to have like a purpose and a mission and and do good by her. It was much more than just myself. It was a greater calling to make a difference. And so at that moment, it took all of the things I was thinking about and wrestling with and just really put it into simple terms and allowed me the clarity to make a decision. And that from that moment, I decided I was going to quit my job and make a difference somehow. And what I was able to do was leverage what I knew. And that was the food business with my own personal health journey and, and knowledge in that space and combine the two and really make a difference. And obviously, our country needs it as we look at the general healthiness levels and, and the types of food that exists out there and all the great work you do to help people to read the labels and read the ingredients because it's so important. But I also think that change needs to happen from both sides. So I'm trying to do it on the the production side and making sure people have options that are clean and and fits within their food philosophy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you were working in big food industry. What'd you do there? What exactly stood out that was wrong? Yeah. So I worked in marketing and marketing was really, think of it as general management, business owner. I worked across a bunch of really big brands from Cheerios to Nature Valley to Yoplait, all the way to Totino's Pizza Rolls, if you're familiar with that, Mm -hmm. which is like the opposite of my product in terms of ingredients that reads like 
a book, not an ingredient statement. But I, I think it was just where the decisions were coming from, right? I think it was viewing people not as people, but as consumers. And when you have that mindset, the question or the problem you're trying to solve is how do we get them to eat more? It's not how do we get them to eat better? It's how do we get them to eat more? And that's just something that never set right with me in terms of wanting to provide people the right options and not giving them things that would cause them to overeat or feel bloated or be inflamed and cascade into other health issues. It was really trying to be a steward and have a cultivation of, of good items that they can eat and still be convenient and they can live their life and do whatever they want to do and be their best self. And so I think that was the primary wedge for me in terms of viewing people as people, not as consumers, not as a number, not as a percent of market share. And then also realizing that you can make good food convenient. It doesn't need all of what I call junk or inflammatory ingredients. And it can still taste great. I mean, honey is sweet and from nature and it's fantastic. You know, if you can tolerate it in certain amounts, it depends on where you're at on your health journey. But I knew there was a better path forward. And then when my daughter was born, it gave me the courage to kind of take it and run. I mean, it was scary. It was going from, you know, a very well-paying, stable job to whatever my crazy entrepreneur life is now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for what you do. There needs to be so many more people like you. I mean, you're a beautiful person for going against the grain. And I'm curious, did you feel like a sinner when you were working for big food and you were marketing to, and we're going to dive into this, but I mean, there's cereals out there with the cartoon characters or the superheroes or the sports figures, right? And I know my parents owned grocery stores for 25, 30 years and certain big brands can actually pay extra money to be on a specific shelf or to be on an end cap to really drive the consumer decision, to drive the buying power. And so what did that feel like when you noticed, okay, we're sitting around, we're trying to make people buy more things, probably putting stuff in the food to make them more hungry, not really care about the quality and the health. Like, What did that really feel like? To be completely honest, I was completely fine with it for about half my career there. I think when you when I joined the company, I was really excited and was drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. It's a different company that makes that, but you get the point. And you just were like, hey, I'm growing a business. I love growing businesses. And you view it as numbers. You view it as a spreadsheet. You don't view it as if you were to walk into someone's house and serve them this food. There's such a detachment from when you create something so when someone actually buys it and eats it you know at their house or wherever they eat it and so i would say for about half my time there you know i felt i thought it was the greatest thing in the world and then i became aware of my own health and i had health issues and i dug deeper and i became aware of the power of food as medicine and the food in terms of your overall health and at that moment i was like trying to change it from within so i did launched you know, some grain-free granolas when I was there and, and trying to push the boundary. Uh, and that was very successful. And then they moved me to, to, to two Totino's pizza rolls. Uh, <laughs> and at that point, I was kind of checked out. <laughs> that one was the hardest one to sell, like the taste. When you had to go do the product cuttings or taste testings, like put it in your mouth and spit it out. You know, there were people on the team that were super proud that they cut costs out of the product by using fake cheese. And they're like, we have no real cheese, but we've cut costs by 50%. Uh, and that's sort of just the mindset, right? And 
I don't fault anybody for feeling that way, right? They have a family to provide for. They feel like they're doing the right things. It's a numbers game. They don't view people as people. And I get it. I was that person, but I had this sort of awakening that there is a better way. I felt to your question about like sinning about it. It definitely didn't feel great. And I think when I came back from paternity leave and I was there for like two weeks before I left, I came back from that hiatus and I was sitting in a meeting and they're like, we're going to use mermaids to sell more yogurt (laughs) to kids. And I was just like, I just at that moment, I was just like, I'm done. Like I, I was already kind of done and out the door, but I was just sort of like, what are we doing here? Like these are the problems we're working on. So it's sort of like really smart great people, great company, but they're just, they can be working on on such more pressing problems that we're facing and producing cleaner options for all of us. And that just couldn't happen within the company. And so I had to leave and, and do that change myself. Yeah. I'm sure everyone listening is falling in love with you, Parker. And they're like, where can I get this cereal? So we're going to let you all know, but tell me you had some autoimmune stuff. And so you were clearly experimenting with food and trying to figure out how to control your symptoms. Was that kind of like a self-discovery or did somebody kind of lead you into that? I think everyone's journey is a little bit different, but also kind of similar. I, I think for me personally, like I knew something was off long before I had like actual symptoms and the fatigue or the feeling of being bloated or just really low energy. I remember I'd just come home from work and just collapse on the couch and just like fall asleep and something was off. And then the symptoms grew a bit worse. And, you know, I have a host of skin issues, but it started to manifest as psoriatic arthritis. And that's when it became, started to really affect my day to day. And, you know, I just dug deep. I mean, I, I was reading up on the subject, you know, books from Dr. Mark Hyman to yep. other functional medicine practitioners and just like opened my eyes to it. Right. I mean, my diet in college was like terrible. Uh, and then when I hit my late twenties, I just like was paying the consequence of that or just needed to figure it out. And it became, I think for a lot of people, it starts as like a necessity, like I need to make a change. I think, you know, my hat goes off to the people that notice something a little off and they take corrective action and that's probably the best approach. Uh But for me, I really needed to hit bottom before I took it seriously. And it's still a challenge, right? Like I'm, I'm not perfect every day. I try to be and, you know, raising kids is hard and trying to figure out what they, they can eat and wrestling with my own health and food philosophy with what my kid will actually eat and trying to get better options. And, it's challenging. But yeah, to answer your question, it was kind of a long way to get there. I would say it's like it happened slowly, then all at once. Uh, and then at that moment, it was time to make a change. Yeah. Okay. And that reminds me, I'm going to make sure our team members give you access to our Clean Eating Academy because we have kid-friendly meals, five ingredients or less, kid-friendly snacks. So I want to make sure you got all that stuff. So when talking about foods, obviously everybody knows simple is best or less ingredients is best. But what most people don't realize is the quality also matters. Mm -hmm. For example, you said y'all were selling pizza pockets with fake cheese. Like even if all the ingredients are quote unquote clean and you're eating fake cheese, your body's going to go, oh my God, what is this? This is, you know, plastic. I don't know what to do with this. And then it talks to you. And the way your body talks to you is symptoms. You bloat, you get fatigue, you get IBS, you have headaches, all these things. So let's talk about the ingredients that you all use at Lovebird Cereal. I know that you have, I want to say four flavors. Is that right? Yeah, we now have four. That's cool. I like it. Okay. So the main ingredient looks like it's cassava. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, t- tell us what is cassava. Yeah, and I think to echo what you were saying, I think when I was looking at cleaning up cereal, which is one of the largest categories in the grocery store, and just felt very, you know, no pun intended, stale in terms of just like there needed to be new items there. And, and I think the first action was just to remove all of the inflammatory junk that we talked about, mm-hmm. right? refined grain, refined sugar, uh, inflammatory oils, and just all that weird stuff that's just in the product to get you to eat more of it. And then to your question, uh, it was sort of what would be a good building block? And I think with keto, carbs have been kind of villainized, which I think is unfair because uh, to your point, like there's healthy and unhealthy carbs. And really the mission was to get to a whole food flour that everyone could enjoy. So cassava, you know, the short answer is like, it's a South American root vegetable and it's grown around the world now, but it's very sustainable. They can farm it year round. And so the sustainability aspect mattered to me, but functionally from a nutritional standpoint, it's rich in prebiotic fiber and also vitamin C. I think it has about 70% of the vitamin C as an orange. And so it was a good building block to start with because it would help balance your blood sugar with the prebiotic fiber. It's a whole food flour, so it retains those nutrients, not to be confused with tapioca, which is a very highly processed version of cassava. And then it was sort of rounding out with some healthy fat from coconut, and then obviously to provide some, some sweet flavor to it from honey uh, and also coconut sugar uh, across the different flavors. And so it was really trying to get to a balanced as much as possible blood sugar neutral recipe with ingredients that were whole foods to kind of help manage that for people and and quite honestly for myself and my family as well. Yeah. So I'm curious, do you ever get tired of eating cereal? (laughs) I actually have been in a, I I was eating a ton of it and like I have to eat it all the time to make sure that everyone who buys it gets great cereal. Yeah. I am just a one person company. I guess you could include my daughter. So one and a half people. And so I run all the quality control and taste everything. And so I eat quite a lot of it. But no, I mean, there's many ways to, to use it. I make cereal bars. I do classic milk and cereal. A lot of people in the community have started crushing it up and making chicken tenders with it and using the cereal as a breading. It's pretty versatile. But yeah, I mean, I still love to mix in different things at breakfast. Uh, you know, cereal is a, is a nice part of your routine but also, you know, eat whole food when you can as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So let's talk about natural flavors. Do you know much about natural <laughs> flavors to talk on it? Does anybody really know what's in natural flavors? Though? Well, <laughs> you know, people that don't read labels who do get exposed to reading labels, they come back to me and the first thing they say is, it's carbonated water and natural flavors. And I'm like, hey, look, go look, you're going to find natural flavors everywhere. So Why don't you, the expert, I'm going to call you the expert clean cereal or the clean cereal expert. There we go. Clean cereal expert, Parker Brook. What are natural flavors? That's a great question. And I think I remember, and I was that person at one time, I remember when I discovered LaCroix and I was like, this is amazing. I can drink this nonstop. Yeah. And there's nothing like bad about it. How can there be nothing bad about it? And then I became much more aware. And I think they originally called it essence of, which was really pushing the boundary of truth and lie, but uh, essentially they use natural flavors. And I remember I was working on a product at General Mills where I used to work and I was asking questions about natural flavors and the legal team essentially wouldn't tell me anything. And it's something that's very protected. Nobody really knows. And the people that do know, don't talk about it. But from what we know, there can be up to 50 to 200 different ingredients within it. 
natural flavors are essentially serve the same purpose as artificial flavors, which I think people are very familiar with. But for it to be called a natural flavor, I think it has to be like 80% derived from a natural source. Mm -hmm. The other 20%, who really knows? But if you actually think about it, there's natural flavors, like there's a root beer natural flavor. Like, how does that make sense? Like, where's the root beer tree that you grow? (laughs) It's a bizarre way. I like, I liken it to like a Willy Wonka experiment. And like, you know, to be honest, like maybe some of them are okay, but like, you just don't know. They're not studied. And I always look at when I read ingredient labels, aside from, you know, how many are there? Can I pronounce them? Are there any weird stuff in there? I kind of question like, well, what's the role of that? And I told you for cassava, it's to help provide a base and prebiotic fiber and balance your blood sugar and it's sustainable and has some vitamin C and all these different things. But when I look at natural flavors, their only purpose in the product is to get you to eat it. There's no nutritional value. It's usually added to things that taste pretty bad or you wouldn't eat if they did not have it. I remember I was in some yogurt tastings and we tasted yogurt with and without natural flavors. And it was like mind blowing how different they were. And I remember the food scientist that was working on the project because I was just like, can't we just use strawberries? Like what's wrong with that? And she's like, well, strawberries don't really have a taste. (laughs) And I was just like that. I was just baffled. I was just like, the taste of a fresh strawberry in my mouth is so vivid. Right. But like the interpretation of taste has been so warped that like people expect strawberry Nesquik as like the strawberry flavor. Yeah. And, and they expect it to be so amplified. Like I tell people, hey, when you bite into a Betty Crocker vanilla cupcake, I mean, that vanilla is mind blowing. It's just like, oh, yeah. it tastes so darn good. And the sugar's there. I mean, it, it, if you could like put something on your brain, you could just see it be electrified. And then if you eat oh, yeah. a cupcake, probably with cassava or almond flour, coconut flour, something like that with real vanilla extract, you know, two teaspoons, there'll be a hint of vanilla, but it's not going to taste like that natural flavor vanilla that's been added to Betty Crocker. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially the short of the long is like, it's a black box. It's a big science experiment. There's many different ingredients within the umbrella of natural flavor. Mm-hmm. And its sole purpose is to get you to eat the food and eat a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Because even like when I was working on our cacao flavor, and chocolate is a very distinct flavor for people, right? And usually people think of chocolate, they don't really think of cacao because like what they taste is the dairy and the sugar with some cacao in it that makes it quote unquote chocolate. But to make a chocolate cereal is really hard because without chocolate flavor, you really have to rely on the cacao flavor. And I spent months upon months finding the perfect cacao supplier to have that right balance and flavor combination. Whereas a competitor cereal can just use natural flavor that's chocolate and they all use the same one. They use whatever the equivalent of a Tootsie Roll is. So the food scientist for a natural flavor does whatever, whatever natural source and then they try to match that flavor to a Tootsie Roll. So if you actually pay attention to when you eat something with chocolate flavor or natural flavor and it's a chocolate item, like they all kind of taste the same. And once you know that it's hard not to, like even protein powders and things like that, they all have the same chocolate taste and it's trying to mimic that Tootsie Roll flavor that you get from candy. So yeah, I mean, I think it's just like there needs to be more transparency on it. I don't trust it. The sole purpose of it is to get you to eat more of whatever they're selling. There's no nutritional benefit. If anything, I would like to add chocolate natural flavor to vegetables for my kids. 
and get them to eat that instead of eating like refined carbs and nutritionally empty packaged food items. Absolutely. And we are the sickest we've ever been. And everything around us is more toxic than it's ever been. Speaking of inflammatory ingredients, you know, metals, toxins, pesticides, all the things. But that reminds me, you're talking about chocolate. My kids were watching this TV show. I don't know if it's a show or a documentary. I think it's called Facts. And I walked in, I'm like, what are y'all watching? And it just looked like, I'm like, okay, you're learning about chocolate and you're learning about uses of different tools, like very, very interesting. But they talked about how chocolate in the UK is different from the chocolate in the US. And these British chocolates, they tend to have higher fat and cacao content. So it almost tastes more like the dark chocolate we're used to, a little bit more bitter and you actually taste the chocolate. Whereas American-made chocolate typically contains larger doses of sugar and also milk, which is why people from the UK come over here and they're like, oh, I don't like American chocolate. And America is like, I love Hershey's and I love Tootsie Rolls. And it's because of what we're doing to the chocolate here. So that brings me to your cereal is organic. Why should people be buying organic? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's a host of reasons. And I recently, I'll spare you all the details and the hoops I had to jump through, uh, became USDA organic certified. And I'll tell you why that's important as well, having gone through that process and what that actually means for you when you shop at the store and pick up items. But for me, I, I just believe in the organic food movement. I think the fact that we have to label food as organic is kind of a travesty where everything should be organic. And if it's not, it should be called something else. I think that's the natural way to create and make food. I think our industrial food system puts a lot of stress on our climate, our soil, and the like. But for people personally, like it's a great way to avoid herbicides and pesticides, toxic things that you could find its way into your food, like sludge and things like that. So in addition to cleaner farming practices, it's a cleaner product for you as well. And you know, I've always been organic. I've always had organic certified ingredients. And I just couldn't afford to get the certification because they charge you money for it. And then also take like a percent of your sales and just, I couldn't afford it at the beginning. But now that I'm big enough, I, I filed the certification and I always thought it was like a little bit of like paperwork exercise, which it kind of is, but it's nice to have that due diligence because there's a lot of people out there that say organic when it's actually not. And they, they screen your entire supply chain to make sure your suppliers are doing the right thing. And so I think it's an added level of security for people when they buy products with that seal that they're guaranteed to know what they're getting. And I think the hidden benefit too, in addition to clean ingredients, are you have to list every ingredient that you actually use. So if you're not certified, there's a lot of companies that if it's under 2%, they won't list that ingredient in your product, right? There's a lot of processing aids or other things that people use, whether it's calcium carbonate and cereal in particular, which is crushed limestone that they use to make sure it runs in the line more efficiently. Like I would say that's in probably 98% of cereals. Some label it, most don't. I don't put it in my product, which is why mine is a bit more crunchy than the average cereal. And so it essentially holds you accountable to that ingredient statement. And it's another third-party screen to make sure what you're buying is what actually you're getting and eating and putting into your body. And so the short of the long is just like clean farming practices. You know, I believe in that clean ingredients, obviously, to help your body and promote your health. In addition to the USD organic seal, just making sure a third party verifies that 
what someone is claiming on the box, even the ingredient statement is fair and accurate. Wow. Okay. So interesting. Now let's talk about where everybody can find Lovebird cereal. Yeah. So you can find me on our website, lovebirdfoods.com or eatlovebird.com. You can find me on Amazon. I just launched uh, nationwide at Sprouts, which is like huge. And I might have a few more gray hairs as a result of that. And I'll be rolling out to a few more retailers in the next few months as well. And I, I think that's just a testament to the community that's emerged around it. People like yourself. And thank you for having me on. It's I could talk about this stuff all day, so I pardon if I ramble, but I think the work that you do is so important to make people aware of what they're eating. Because I think for the longest time, we've been trained to just like whatever you buy at a grocery store is okay and follow your taste buds. And I think our taste buds have been hijacked and it's been harder than ever to really understand what you're eating. And I think it can kind of get a little doom and gloom. And I'm trying to do my part to create cleaner, convenient options. Mm -hmm. But I think once you know that and are empowered, you can take back your health and live your best life. And I truly believe and why I'm impressed by the community that's emerged that you vote with your dollars. Every time you buy Lovebird or buy a clean label ingredient product, that's one vote for that. And you're shifting the tides and you'll start seeing the bigger companies you know, I hope people copy what I'm doing because that means there's more people out there making cleaner ingredients and raising awareness. And so I would say the community is out, absolutely outstanding to promote these food values and, and really make change. Like change does not happen overnight. It happens bite by bite and box by box. And together we can really make a big difference every single day. And so rolling out to retail stores is a big testament to that community, but also enables us to raise more awareness and make it more accessible for people as well. Heck yeah. I think people are frustrated with going to the doctor and just getting prescribed medication and being told, you know, eat better, exercise more, and it's very cyclical for them. And so there are people like me and people like you that are on the rise because of what has happened to the food industry, truly. And so we do need more people like me. And we need tons more people like you. So thank you, Parker, so, so much. For all you listeners, here's a task for you. I want you to go into your pantry, grab a box of cereal, read the ingredients on the cereal box. Now, ask yourself, do you recognize what these ingredients are? If you don't recognize the ingredient, well, neither does your body. Then go to lovebirdfoods.com and order yourself, whether it's the six bundle or try a flavor. I'm excited to try the cacao. I've tried all of them except the cacao. So during this actual podcast, I had my team, I sent them a message and said, get me the six pack. I need it again. But I do have one more question for you, Parker. What was your wake up moment in life, whether it was professionally or personally? And maybe we already touched on that. Wow. That's a heavy question. Uh, I know. (laughs) I think for me, it just goes back to the birth of my daughter, right? I was living a life that was all about me and my needs. And she completely reframed. I I mean, biologically, there's definitely something that happens to the parents, obviously my wife, but also for me, it was just like this feeling of trying to protect not only my family, but make a difference for other families and, and thinking beyond myself. Right. And I think that moment for me occurred when she was born and I was like holding her in my hands and I was just like, Oh, I'm like, I created this thing and I want to do everything in my power to protect her and also protect other families out there and people as well. And I think 
as I looked at business and the business world and I went to business school and everything's about profit at all costs and shareholder value, I really feel like there's an opportunity to break that business model and profit with purpose is what I feel like my business is trying to do and why we donate 20% of our profit to fight childhood cancer, which is a number that would make my boss at my old company squirm and he'd say it's too high. It's we're never going to make it work. And for me, I, I think the two can coexist in terms of making a difference and growing a successful business. And that's the goal. And so all of that was spawned from when my daughter was born. Uh, since then, she's become a spicy three-year-old <laughs> and it's been a joy to watch her grow up but also very challenging in different ways. But I, I love her more than anything. I love that. Okay. Well, thank you, Parker. Thanks for sharing your insight, your story, and your purpose. For everybody listening, go check out Lovebird Cereal on Instagram and be sure to stock your pantry soon. We'll talk soon. Okay, Parker? Thank you. You bet. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wake Up and Read the Labels. If you like this episode, guess what? We want you to share it. We'd love that. Share it with a friend and leave us a review. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really wherever you're listening to your podcast. For more information, visit us at wakeupandreadthelabels.com. Hold up. 